Hi folks, and uh, welcome to another installment of Talkers. Uh, Graham, please censor that out. Thank you very much. Uh, I mean, IT Talkers. Thank you, Vertiv Legal Team. Uh, and uh, we're your hosts, Song and... Caitlin. And uh, our special guests today are Brad Polinski and Dr. Katrina Atkins from our beloved channel partners, SHI. Uh, before we get started... Um, <laughs> we got we got the gear and everything. Uh, this this episode will be focused on um, the topic of esports and specifically the impact of esports on education. Some of the uh, technologies that's involved, its impact on the stakeholders uh, in itself, and uh, we got a couple of fantastic um, guests that that is very well informed and experienced in this area. So um, I'm going to be rude and ask our guests to introduce themselves. Um, Dr. Atkins, would you like to go first and then Brad, uh, introduce yourself as well and yeah, provide a little background so we can get to know you better. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having us. I'm Katrina Adkins, and I am the Director of Education Solutions at SHI. Um, I work with all of our K-12 and higher education customers across the United States. Um, more on things uh, around the integration of technology. So anything that really touches the end user. So the students, the teacher, administrators, um, and esports is one of those things. So um, I've been an educator for over 20 years. I actually still teach for a college. Um, I teach an online class in esports. And uh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We love having you. And thank you very much for taking the time to join us. And uh, Mr. Brad Polinski. Care yeah. to uh, give us a little bit of uh, your background so we can learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me again, too, guys. Uh, I'm Brad Polinski. I work at SHI alongside Katrina, growing out our esports practice. Uh, I've been with SHI for about eight years. Uh, as of doo -doo -doo -doo, eight days ago, I hit my eight-year mm. mark. Um, but I started off in our warehouse doing returns for our customers, uh, moved on to help desk, uh, supported our end user base from a technology perspective, and then I went to a sales engineer role. And I've been doing that for the last five years now, I think, something like that. Uh, but I am a, a pre-sales solutions engineer for esports. So I primarily uh, focus on anything that happens before the sale, uh, around grants, space design, hardware, curriculum, and then wrapping that whole entire four pillars into one solution for our customers. Um, yeah, that, that, that's my little, my little spiel. And it sounds like, Brad, you, you ran through the, the gamut, right, of seeing um, how products are shipped out, right, in the, mm -hmm. um, in the operation side, right, and mm -hmm. then now recommending, obviously, and designing solutions, right, so you yeah. have that valuable end-to-end -end experience. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's what we pride ourselves on at SHI, at least in, in, from, you know, from all the solutions that we provide at SHI, but esports especially, we, we don't want to be just a hardware reseller that's what shi is known for and we are trying to break that that boundary a little bit and we have been doing that for like the last 10 years and other technologies but we're proud to say that we want to do a whole entire solution for because we want to do the curriculum we want to do the space design we want to do the hardware we want to do the software that goes into it that's uh that's that's absolutely the case and and uh, you've been a great partner of <clears throat> and uh certainly hope uh we, we can attest to be the same um and this uh before we get started uh this is my opportunity to uh call out some shameless plugs um, for, for our, our company. So this episode, folks, is sponsored by SHI's Battle Academy. 
and uh, our fantastic vertiv high performance KVMs that are uh, wonderful for broadcasting, for IT management and monitoring, and uh, just generally um, all around. We 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 started this uh, this game with Avacent, which is one of our sub brands, and um, you know we've been here in the KVM game since day one, and uh, it's great to see. Um, you know, KVMs and some of this IT management gear also having a role in the arena of esports and esports broadcasting, right? Which is something that I never thought about prior to um, coming to Vertiv. So, um, but this isn't just about Vertiv and our plug. Um, uh, Dr. Atkins or Brad, would you like to give us a, a brief um, description of SHI Battle Academy and what is it that uh, it does? Or you go, Katrina. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of years ago, when um, we started down the journey of, of esports um, for education, I should say, um, a bunch of us got together, several different uh, partners got together, uh, being SHI, Intel, LG, um, UGC, and several others. Uh, we all got together and we said, you know, what if we created this you know, way for students to come and, and compete and, uh, you know, win prizes, win scholarships, you know, win all kinds of different things. And we just have fun with it. And so um, we all took kind of the knowledge that we had already with esports um, and worked alongside UGC, which if you don't know UGC, they are a uh, professional tournament platform. However, they have broken into the education esports realm and so so we got together with UGC and uh developed Battle Academy um and so Battle Academy runs three times a year uh we have thousands of students involved we have uh, about fifty thousand dollars in prizes and scholarships we've built out uh full esports arenas slash lab spaces uh for schools with the the uh, winners and prize money. Um, it has just been an awesome time to bring students together. Um, and we mainly play Rocket League, Valorant. We're including some new games, trying to get in some other things uh, in the upcoming season. So um, yeah, it's been just an incredible time uh, to see the growth around Battle Academy and the excitement and watch the streams. And we all get into it and start, you know, cheering for the schools. And um, so it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And one thing, yeah, and I just want to give a quick shout out to our esports team, especially Amy and uh, Wesley. They are like our our leaders of of you know doing the Battle Academy project. And if it wasn't for them, we uh, we probably wouldn't be as successful as we we are. Like a wonderful organization, and just wish you know something like this was around when I was um, you know going to school, um, going through. Uh, I'm Canadian, but when I was in uh, our, our sort of. Uh, um, high school um, system and and uh, unfortunately I I think that was the days when uh, it was still Counter Strike 1.6 uh, and I was I was already in college I think so <laughs> I really missed out uh, um, you know in terms of what, what we're seeing today but I'm I'm so excited I think for the generation that's able to take advantage of opportunities like this and uh, really hope more people get involved in something like this because it's just it would have been a dream come true for me if I were able to participate in this, but I'm glad you could really make an impact, right, on um, some of these students' uh, lives. And we'll get to that in, in a moment, right, when we're talking about uh, this in greater detail. But, um, you know, let's let's get the discussion started. Um, you know, 
with your experience at SHI, with Battle Academy, as well as your uh, involvement in general with um, the area of esports, have you seen any high-level trends that have um, really gained material prominence over the last few years, right? Especially in the U.S. education system. For example, you know, how common is it now in schools, in K-12 schools? Yeah, so so here's the thing. Um, schools right now are rapidly adopting esports. Um, they're adopting it in, in a few different ways. Um, some are, you know, bringing in the, the technology, the, the furniture, creating spaces. Others are, you know, they have a few councils and they're competing. So there's a lot of different ways to, to do it. But um, at SHI, our biggest thing is making sure that um, the students don't just have the stuff because it's not just about gaming. It's about bringing opportunity to students, bringing opportunity to schools, letting students know that um, their participation in esports can mean so many different things. It can steer them in the route of uh, broadcasting, marketing, game design, um, you know, virtual reality, all of these different things that are, are involved in esports. And our hope is to uh, prepare students for all of these thousands of jobs that are out there in the esports market, which is uh, continuing to grow year after year. Uh, and so when they leave high school, we want them to be prepared for these jobs, whether they go into the job market, whether they go into college. And if they're going to go into college and continue with esports, perhaps they can uh, get a scholarship to play at a college. So uh, our team, our esports team at SHI really thinks beyond just the gaming. And so when we're talking with schools, um, we, we really start with that. We start with the, the why, the why behind esports, because it's not just about the gaming. And so that's what we're extremely passionate about. We want to bring more to the students than just that. And that's a topic we definitely want to explore further. Uh, Brad, go ahead. You yeah, the, the, the one thing I didn't mention, like, but there are schools that we still do talk to that there are these administrators that are really passionate about esports, but their superintendents, their principals are a little leery about stepping into that that kind of field. And yeah. it's starting to get less. We're starting to see that less and less of a, of a trend. But, you know, we always love to remind them that you can tie esports to STEM and, T, STEM and CTE programs. So a lot of Photoshop classes, AutoCAD classes, uh, you know, programming classes, they go really well with esports. And you can, we love to build out arenas and labs, right? That, that's our, that's, that's what we're trying to do at SHI. And what we always try to, you know, convey is that these spaces that we're, we're trying to build out for you guys, they can be dual purpose, triple purpose. So making it, yeah, your esports home for your team to practice and compete on, but yeah, you can still probably host a, an illustrator class in there. You can do AutoCAD courses on in this, in this classroom and then use the same exact computers for that tech, for that, that purpose, which is kind of like a win-win. And Brad and Katrina, speaking of these conversations you guys are having with these different administrations and explaining the fact that it goes beyond the material landscape of what they'd bring into schools, could you talk us through what are some common misconceptions that you're having to dispel for these groups? You want to take that one? I'll, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey. Whoever. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so this conversation um, about common misconceptions, it, it varies depending on the, the 
school, the district, the county that we're, we're talking with or the, the institution. Um, and I think it depends on the, um, the folks that are sitting in administrative positions on, on how we go about that conversation. Again, a lot of, of administrators and even teachers still think of gaming as, you know, kids sitting in a basement, you know, with snacks <laughs> and friends and it's dark and, and they're just gaming and they're going to go blind and, you know, all the things that we were told uh, growing up, or at least me, I'm probably older than all of you. But um, uh, so, you know, and, and that is the, the, I guess, the thought process behind it. Why would we bring gaming into a school? Why would we want our students sitting in front of screens more than they have to? And right. so that's where we have to come in and have that real conversation about esports is really, like Brad said, STEM, CTE, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. You can't really have those things in a school without having esports anymore. So we don't, I don't ever have conversations around STEM or CTE without bringing up esports because it is a part of it. And it's an important part of it because of, uh, if we look at the, again, the job market, we have to prepare our kids for that market. And there are so many jobs out there. So if a, uh, let's say a high school does not have a program in place for students to take part of, um, they're missing the mark because those students mm. then will be going into college. They won't necessarily have the opportunity to play or not as great of an opportunity to play. Or if they're going into the job market, they may not be as uh, skilled in the areas that are needed uh, for the jobs that are out there. Um, I'm gonna tear up the script a little bit because I think you raise a really important um, topic there, Katrina. And uh, to show you that we really mean business here at Vertiv, I, I brought some research from a physical book, but um, I, I have here um, just a um, just an interesting book I read a few years ago um, called "The New Leadership Literacies" by Bob Johansson from uh, a think tank called Institute for the Future. And uh, Bob, in, in his book, was outlining a, a possibility or a probability that in the future, resumes for students in the job market may include or will include examples of game performances and you know reference letters from fellow um you know organization members like guild members or clan members right or or even school or um you know organizations leading these efforts as part of their references right do you see that katrina and brad as, as distinct possibilities um and he's forecasting something like this happening within the next 10 years even yeah, it's interesting that you bring this up because just yesterday I was talking with someone at, at a very uh, high level at SHI and we were talking about resumes and he uh, actually I could almost quote from him what he said. He said he no longer looks at educational experience. He looks at just overall job experience and I am now gaming experience, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the job that you're applying for. Um, so I find that very interesting, not to say that, of course, an education isn't important. It is. Um, but, you know, I think in the next 10 years or so, depending on the job, I think experience um, and relevancy uh, to that job market are going to be top of mind. Yeah. So I would just to add in, I've been a firm believer in, in in res like in-game leadership on a resume and how it, it actually can reflect to real world practices so i've been a world of warcraft player for the last 16 years 15 years whatever it's been it's been a long time um but when i started playing when i was like 13 or 14 mm -hmm. and uh 
there are a few guilds in most of the guilds I've been in, I've had some type of leadership role. So it's like being a class lead, helping out other, I was a mage at the time for class lead, but I was, you know, helping out other mages improve their damage on bosses and like trying to lead that pact is kind of like, you're, you're kind of like building yourself up for almost like a, a leadership spot somewhere in, in your, your, your future. And what's great about that was I was playing with people who are well-established within like enterprise fields and commercial fields and whatnot. And they kind of like mentored me to like how to act to the, towards those people. And then also, you know, later on the road, I was rate, I was leading people through, um, I was leading people through, through raids. I was leading 30 people through a raid, trying to kill bosses. And like, you're the sole person of calling things out when things are supposed to happen, move here, move there. And then also now I'm actually leading a guild. Um, it just was passed down to me like three months ago, uh, cause our guild leader quit, but, um, I'm leading a guild now and I'm managing, I don't know, 40 people through, through dungeons, through raids, organizing events, um, going through, um, they're called logs, but when you go into a raid in World of Warcraft, you, you, you obviously try to kill a boss and, you know, there are tools that'll help you figure out what, how, how well you're doing in that raid. So going through those logs, kind of like, like what IT will do, go find out what's, what's wrong with your damage or what's wrong with your healing or what's wrong with whatever it's going on. But like going through those logs and seeing where people can improve and try to help guide them. It's kind of like, it's been like I've, people pass it down to me to an extent and now I'm passing it back to other people. But I, but all that, that experience that I've had, I've always said, I was like, I wish I could put this on my resume. I, I if I did, I probably look like a fool, but now I could, I could hundred, I've always seen that the possibility is there for that to happen, especially now, now and nowadays where esports is becoming a primary focus in, in collegiate and high school, even middle school. Right. But, um, it's going to come, I know it's going to come and I know you can get a, a lot of real world experience from, you know, people around you playing video games even in the game. Well, I wanted to share a little story, actually. When I when I very first started at SHI a couple years ago, um, I was a, a one-person team and, you know, trying to figure out how are we going to, you know, build out esports, how are we going to bring this into schools? And I was presenting one day for our team and Brad and I were on the same team and I didn't know anything about Brad at the time. And, and I mentioned esports and all of a sudden, you know, Brad was kind of taking notes and he looks up. And he looks right up at me and I remember seeing him. And it was on my iPad. Brad, I just looked up and I was like, what? <laughs> I had just started and I see this guy look up and he's like, I play World of Warcraft. And I was like, oh my gosh, and he's like, awesome. We have a gamer in the room, right? And so uh, to Brad's point, you know, him just mentioning that to, you know, me trying to figure out how are we going to build this out? Um, I kind of took little note of that. And so as we started to work through some of these esports things, um, I came to Brad and I'm like, we, we need to work together. We need to do this. And, uh, and here we are. So, um, you know, and now our teams have changed since then, but, um, yeah, it, it's pretty incredible. I never thought for a second yeah. that, you know, I would be necessarily in a job focused on esports, you know, I mean, me growing up playing Mario and playing, you know, Sega and all these other things, uh, and being told that I'll be cross-eyed if I play too much, and here I am. So uh, <laughs> it's quite interesting. These things are truly, um, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but truly immersive now, right? These, mm -hmm. these games like World of Warcraft, it's, it's in some ways a platform, right? Um, uh, just like um, other technology platforms, right? That there's commerce, obviously real commerce involved. There's, um, you know, people effectively having part-time or, or in some cases almost full-time jobs within these worlds, right? And genuine relationships developing in these immersive worlds, right? Not just 
Um, certainly camaraderie leadership, but also very emotional relationships. Like people I hear getting married on uh, World of Warcraft, people having funerals to honor um, fall, literally fallen comrades in real life. And it's just, it can be pretty emotional, right? And it's truly, you know, immersion is not just, I guess, uh, graphics and an audiovisual uh, perspective. Um, and and Vertiv, by the way, can deliver that in spades. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice I'm just kidding. Cut, please cut that out. That, that was so cheesy. Gosh, but but jokes aside, right? It can. It's. I think the immersion is also right, emotional and communal in nature, right? Because you know, World of Warcraft. There's other more realistic looking games out there, but this immersion is also what you, the participants, create in there, right? And in Rocket League, sometimes a bunch of toy cars in the arena is more exciting than seeing, you know, big stars um, from, 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 you know, a UEFA soccer game, right? And it's just that the moments that these things can create is also because the users, right, are genuine participant and they create that immersion too, right? The one thing I just want to say is like, you know, people hosting funerals and having weddings and World of Warcraft, that, that's 100% true. And it's, you're seeing less and less of it, unfortunately. But I think what's what's great is looking, so World of Warcraft has changed a ton in the last 15 years. It's way more, um, you're, you're not by yourself. You're still playing with a lot of people. And it's obviously, it's an MMORPG. But back then, you know, you were a part of a community. You really were back in like Burning Crusade, Wrath of Lich King, those expansions I just mentioned in, in Vanilla WoW. And you were playing with the same people for those for years on end. So I've I've honestly been playing with some of the with people that I've known for 15 or 16 years. I've known them longer than I've known some of my in real life friends that I'm really close with today. And I, it's, it's weird to say like my in real life and my wow friends, but you know, like I've invited, you know, my wow friends to my wedding. I've known them for that long. They know a lot about me and I've, you know, it's, it's crazy to think like, but you know, it sucks to say this, but like sometimes things come to an end. Right. So you, you hosting these funerals in, in World of Warcraft, um, you know, it, it's, it's so crazy to think that like people are doing that because of, you know, playing a video game, playing, playing with the same people for 15, 16 years and showing like uh, paying homage to them in, in one respect or another, like, you know, doing a parade around the, the town with flowers and everything like that. It's, it's, it's awesome. And it's, it's. It, it's it, it's like it brings people together. Video games do bring people together. Most of the time, great for great things. Katrina, you wanted to add as well. Well, you had mentioned immersion, and you mentioned the the graphics not being as as great in World of Warcraft, and it actually made me think of Minecraft. Um, you know, when Minecraft first came on the scene, I was just perplexed. Why would any kid want to play this pixelated? you know, game, I didn't understand. And when you talk about immersion, I mean, the, the kids that first started on it, what, 15 years ago, how long, more than that now, um, they're still playing it, you know, because they have their friends, they're on certain servers, they're building, they've created worlds, they've, you know, done all these things. And I know it's not a direct comparison to World of Warcraft, but um, it is such a, an immersive tool on a number of different levels, uh, especially for education. Um, but it doesn't necessarily always depend on the graphics, you know, what draws kids in. And I think it's really interesting. 
It's always about that end user. It's the it's the end user experience. What it comes down to, right? right. You could be playing on a potato with my. Cause my I always <laughs> say Minecraft could be run on a potato. Let's let's be real here. But like, you yeah. know, it any it, it could be any game. It really can be as long as, as the end user experience is high, and especially if you can play with other people, people are going to be coming back. It, that's that's just the fact. Absolutely. And I was part of Minecraft beta test back in the day. And uh, I thought, this is a lot of fun. It's amusing, but, you know, I don't know how big this will ever get, right? This is probably going to get crushed by somebody, you know, one of the big publishers or something like that. And then I think a few short years later, it was sold for a billion plus dollars, right? And um, that's right. That shut me up immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and now they're still, doing they're still growing, star, uh, going strong. Sorry. And there's now different segments of Minecraft. There's regular Minecraft, and there's like Minecraft Dungeons, and the one that we're obviously pushing hard in schools is Minecraft education. And it's more than just a video game. It's an education tool. It's part of your curriculum now. So that's right. I mean, what's next guys? Spheres. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's even a good topic. I mean, for, for even another podcast, I mean, what's next, you know, hopping down the, the VR, XR, AR world. I mean, that is what's next, you know, as well as AI. Um, and how do we integrate that into the classroom? You know, we're almost kind of missing the mark in schools if we're not talking about that and giving students those experiences. Um, so it is such an interesting time to be in this um, kind of world of, of not just esports, but technology itself. You know, you mentioned quite a bit about how, you know, students having esports in schools, having that access is not just teaching them, obviously, esports and how to be in that market but also has a lot of other skills that are being taught i think it'd be interesting if you could walk us through what type of technology is actually involved in esports and also the types of gaming hardware that's commonly used that you're seeing in schools yeah so okay uh, most of the competitive scene in, in esports in general is play on pc there are a few console games out there like super smash brothers maybe madden and fifa nba that are played on console and can be all, most of the time can also be played on pc so we are seeing a lot of PC-heavy oriented building out in, in, in gaming on uh, platforms, right? So um, keyboard and mouse, sometimes you, go, you can hook up a controller to a, a, a game. Um, you could hook up an Xbox controller to your PC and play Overwatch like that. That's been done a few times. Um, but I was going to say, uh, hardware-wise, at least from a competitive scene, that's what we see. Um, from you now curriculum side and like an education side, there's a little bit more to that. And I'll let Katrina like dabble into like the sim and CTE side of it, I mean, like with AR and VR. But you know, from from what we're trying to accomplish at SHI, there is a broadcasting element to it, right? There's a ton of broadcasting equipment and AV equipment that are going to go into these builds. So microphones, like you know, this one I'm using right now, to headsets, to mixers, to um, switchers, like your KVM switches, like Song Song mentioned, the networking components. Back, you obviously need to be on the internet to compete against one another. Um, that's a huge thing. So again, you know, we could talk, you know, go on for hours and hours about the hardware aspect, but you know, it, it, it's still staying traditional, except with, I'm going to lend this over to Katrina now, there is another aspect that is starting to grow more and I'll let you take it away, Kat. Yeah, absolutely. So I always kind of tell, uh, schools that the hardware side of things, you know, that's, 
that's kind of the easy part. You know, we, we can sell hardware all day long, but the hard part mm-hmm. is what happens when it gets to that classroom or school or, you know, organization? Um, what do you do after that? How do you set everything up? How do you make sure everything works? Um, right. uh, how do you get your students involved in the broadcasting side of things? You know, who's going to do the, the, the casting itself? Um, so there, there's so much to think about, but um, there, besides just that technology, you know, there's, there's the connection back to what's happening in the classroom. So I'll give you an example. Um, a lot of high schools have, have marketing classes, you know, basic marketing classes. So how can we mm-hmm. take esports and build marketing into it? Well, we have uh, jerseys, we have social media, we have, you know, all these things that, that the students can learn how to market their team. You know, what kind of hashtags are they going to use? Are they going to broadcast on Twitch? How are they going to get the message out? Um, and so those are all real life skills that that we hope to bring into uh, what we're doing at SHI, that we we want to bring this into schools. We want to really build their programs and, and help them walk through this. And so um, when we have the conversations with schools and organizations, you know, like I've mentioned before, it's just a, a much larger conversation than just bringing in the the hardware, the, the AV, you know, side of things. And, and besides the gaming aspect, I mean, we could even talk about streaming aspect and there's cameras. Mm-hmm, like yeah. I'm using my old mirrorless camera that is hooked up to a capture mm-hmm. card and it's being streamed that way. I figured why not? I already had a camera and I'm, I'm doing a lot of presentations for customers. Like why, why you just buy a hundred dollar webcam when I already have like a $600 camera and all I need to buy is a hundred dollar dongle to stream my, my, video through and then there's the lighting aspect when you're doing the streaming and then there's got to be like if you want to even get even more in detail there's xlr type microphones Ooh. and they're plugged into a go xlr thing where you can control your your sound and your the pitch and the bass of your voice and distortion whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. and then there's uh, the that's ogato like the, that's the feel good stuff of what it's the feel good it, exactly <laughs> I know. and then so you awesome. can even talk about content creation after that because people are doing podcasts like you guys you're doing podcasts People are doing YouTube yeah. channels. People are content creators on Twitch and YouTube Live, and like there's there's a whole entire different avenue besides just esports and technology, and, and they all just intertwine so well together. But think too, Brad. You know, on the streaming side of things, like how if you were to think about a 12 year old student, how cool is that that they could have their own you know channel, exactly. their own stream, they're getting exactly. their voice out. Um, all the things that they're learning and for a student that isn't necessarily a part of a, you know, traditional sports team or, or they're not into the arts or, or they don't fit somewhere else in a school, esports is their home and it's their way to get their voice out. Um, so it's a great way for students to, to feel like they belong, uh, even outside of the school in the world. And what I like about that too is they're being creative. They're, they're trying mm-hmm. to push the balance. They're trying to get to that next step. They're trying to, Think of something new and creative to do. And I think that's incredibly important for people to, or kids to just, you know, be, be curious. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a huge step too, I think in access for Absolutely. students, I think across the board, you know, obviously there's elements that come into actually being able to access equipment and what schools have the ability to fund. But, you know, for students who do get the opportunity, I think it's huge to, I guess, get that access in a non-traditional way. Like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. Brad, not every, you know, in the past, a lot of students get their access through like physical sports Mm -hmm. or other types of scholarships. And I think this is a really incredible way for them to get their voice out there and also get really good skills to your point. So there's a lot of merit. Absolutely. 
actually let's talk about that you know do you see esports then as a way to foster um inclusion right in yeah. terms of uh traditional school extracurricular activities or or, or you know school sports absolutely so esports e in general is it it's getting way more diverse by if you look at statistics but if you look at it from the high level umbrella it is probably the most diverse sport you could potentially play any race any gender any age any disability or if you have a mental physical disability you could play video games you can compete with people you can compete with your friends you know it, it's a very inclusive sport if you look at it from that from that high high level view right and it's starting to become more and more prominent in schools and in 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 um, marketing diagrams and you know cat you, what else do you think yeah well i mean just being an educator myself i mean for esports to come along and be a a vessel for students to just you know feel a part of something that's huge that that means more to me and and now i'm kind of putting my mom hat on that means more to me as a mom and as an educator than what grades a student has in reading writing you know math whatever um the the feeling of belonging being a part of a team um feeling that they have a place that is everything. And esports has brought that to students that uh, they brought this. It, it didn't exist before. You know, there, there wasn't this outlet for students uh, to be able to participate. So it has changed the game in, yeah. in education specifically. I think there was a story you were the one that told me, Katrina, months and months ago that a, a, a mother came to you. I think it was this. Ooh. And when COVID yep. happened, her kid shut down she, he didn't want to do anything he didn't want to talk to anybody but when i guess his school started back up virtually they started doing esports again he started to open uh back up to everybody and he started to become himself more and we've seen this time and time again up through many stories on you know news or on reddit whatever you whatever you, source of income you guys use but you know video games and being you know in, entwined with other people and being a team it, it definitely it definitely helps people get through over mental hurdles and make them feel like they're, they're, they're themselves again. And I, I recall one story a couple of years ago, I had gone to uh, a grand opening of a, an esports arena and I was, it was at a, a, a college and I was standing there and there was a girl just kind of standing outside of the arena. And I just struck up a conversation with her and I said, Oh, you know, are you one of the, the players? And she said, no, but my brother is, she said, he's actually um, uh, autistic and he's nonverbal. And until he became a part of the esports team, we didn't hear him speak. And now he is a different person. There's a lot wow. of research going on right now uh, about autism and uh, what esports can do for students. Uh, it is amazing. It is changing everything. Incredible. That's just really that's yeah. exceptional. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's just, it creates sort of, time right for people to think about um also to be alone with their thoughts right i mean you could be yeah. choosing the kind of tractor um when you're playing like farming simulator or something like that but you could be thinking about a variety of other things right and be alone with your thoughts right it's almost sort of meditative and, and uh, in some cases like you mentioned right therapeutic in nature but that's that's a such an incredible story um yeah but because we're in the IT world, sorry guys, this is a IT show too. So 
you know, in terms of physical access, maybe that's what I think Caitlin was also meaning, right? In terms of physical access of being able to deliver esports um, uh-huh. in schools, right? So we're we here at Vertiv are in the IT infrastructure um, business, right? We manufacture IT infrastructure and critical infrastructure for data centers or edge sites, and that would also include um, schools. So we participate. We have a dedicated team for programs such as E-Rate, right? That delivers reliable um, access to internet and networking equipment for schools. So we're in the category two space. And a lot of that is just, you know, power, cooling, racks, and things like that, which you don't see too often. Like you you, you see the the gaming gear, right? You see the fancy graphics cards, um, but you don't think about the infrastructure side, right? So do you... um, see programs like E-Rate also providing um, access, right, to schools that may not be privileged in of themselves, right, and be able to also deliver this for their students? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This is a very timely question because of all the money that is coming in, all the funding uh, due to COVID. And a lot of our funding outside of E-Rate that has come into both K-12 and higher education is really wrapped around uh, social emotional learning. So there are Mm -hmm. ways to bring esports into schools through this funding, uh, through the channel of social emotional learning, which fits perfectly with esports. Not only that, there's a lot of funding for professional development, for STEM. Uh, There's grants out there, you know, all the time. Um, uh, Folks wanting to to, uh, fund anything having to do with STEM and esports fits right into that. So there are channels out there uh, right now, as of today, that uh, schools can get started with esports through that funding. So I always tell Brad, you know, anytime we're on with a school, if a school says, hey, we don't have the money for for esports, the money's there, the money is out there. We just have to figure out how to how to embed it into their program, into what they want to do with it at their institution. I think we should talk through a little bit what that looks like and sawing that may be actually a question for you. But, you know, I think that would prompt a lot of administrations to say, okay, well, where do I go? What's next to actually be able to access this? How do we even get started? Yeah, that's a great question. And we got, and this is almost, you know, perfect, right? We got the right folks here, right? It's partners Mm -hmm. like SHI and working with um, certain manufacturers like us here at Vertiv right, to help them navigate through these scenarios, right, where they don't have to, schools don't have to necessarily be experts in everything IT or everything um, esports or even networking related, right? Our our partners like SHI are, um, you know, vendor neutral. They work with a variety of vendors to deliver complete solutions. And uh, Vertiv is part of that equation, right? So we don't need, um, you know, even our partners to fully being sort of specking out the entire solution. That's why we work with our partners to deliver expertise, right, in different ways. SHI would uh, put together, you know, the back office solution, right? What kind of network closet is appropriate for, um, um, you know, a particular school or, or um, a, a, a district of schools? Uh, manufacturers like us would go with our partners on site walks right, to visit them and to make sure the solution is right. And also, um, you know, our, our, our partners and, and Vertiv have subject matter experts that are very um, well-versed in what qualifies for E-rate so that 
you know, when folks like Katrina and Brad out there and say, we can deliver this and, and you will get funding, right? That's, that's part of, I think, the service, right, is not just navigating technology solutions, but help our mutual customers navigating through these uh, vehicles of funding, right, so that they end up, because we're not in this business just selling things, right? We're ultimately selling outcomes, right? We're delivering outcomes, really, and, and there's uh, more than one way to roam, and, and it's our job to essentially get them to roam and reliable access to Rome internet. Uh, anything to add, Brad and Dr. Trina? Um, no, I, I, I think that our, te- our team often um, says, you know, you can't, you can't put in an esports space or have an esports program without a strong infrastructure in your, in your building. So the, the um, conversation mm. around technology is extremely important. And it's an extremely important to bring in the IT folks to make sure that, you know, the, the infrastructure is strong, connection strong. Uh, that they have everything they need on the hardware side. Um, in terms of, of funding, one of the great things about SHI is we have people that are dedicated just to funding and and you know and and all the buckets of money that are coming in. We have people dedicated just to grants. So uh, whenever we are on calls with customers that are interested in uh, um, obtaining grants, interested in utilizing some of that funding, we have specialists right there uh, ready to go on the call, you know, ready to talk with with customers. So uh, that's something that's really nice about working with with SHI. So um, we work with uh, a team called the Grants Office. And so anytime, regardless if it's esports, if it's outside of esports, um, we can pull the grants office in. They can run full reports for free for, for educational institutions, and we can find out what grants are out there that match the project that they want to do. Um, so we're fully you know, staffed and, and ready to rock when it comes to uh, making sure that schools get what they need. You see a really beaten down network closet without any cable management. Will you also fix those? <laughs> Brad, I'll let you. We, take that. we have a team dedicated. We have a we have a networking yeah. team dedicated. So, uh, more backstory on me. I'm actually in our our um, professional services department. It's called Advanced Solutions Group, and then Katrina is now in our public sector umbrella. But ASG, but Advanced Solutions Group, um, we have different sectors within it. So, networking is definitely one of them. Security, end use computing, messaging collaboration. Our our networking team has done some um, some great facelifting in, in data centers I've, I've seen. So uh, we definitely can help you guys out with that. We have a slew of um, uh, rack cabinet and rack accessories coming out. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're extremely curious about uh, about that space yeah. and what we can do from a from perspective of things like cable management. That, that yeah. in some ways can be gamified too, right? In terms of just- I'm telling you what. Have you to go from <laughs> I mean to see a picture of a closet that is a disaster oh. and then see the after? I mean, I'm sure we all nerd out on that stuff. So, I was gonna yeah. so my <laughs> my good friend Troy, like if Troy, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but he used to work for a municipality that's in our in our area and he uh his networking closet was a rat's nest. I've seen photos and it's, it was really bad. And if he unplugged There were one, probably rats in it. Yeah, there probably were, for, for all we know. And it was the before I, picture, eh, Brad? It was, well, yeah. no, it's supposedly still like that. But he was afraid to, oh. he, he was like at one point had to like uh, disconnect old servers and like bring them out and put new ones in. And he was like going through the rat's nest one cable at a time to see where everything lined up because everything was just, you know, a mess. 
And um, I think it's still the same way. He's not there anymore, um, but he's he's uh, he's always told me about that, and it's kind of it's a little eye opening. Plus, we're gonna need his last name so we can look him up and harass <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say though, I don't know if you guys are Reddit people, but there's uh, I don't know if I could say cable. You can. We talk about this uh, secretly okay, so here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and like, the, but people are like magic. They're like magical workers, bro, or something. I don't know. Like they, they, they like twine the, the the cords like a snake almost, and they wrap it down the side. It's so beautiful. I, whoever whoever do, whoever does that, they have the patience of an angel. I don't know how they can do it, but good good on them. <laughs> That's gonna be the clip we take out, Brad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> good. No, I'm just gonna say it's like the Minecraft of, of IT management, right? You see mm-hmm. something like so meticulously organized, right? It's like calm blue ocean. You, you, mm-hmm. Suddenly, the world makes sense again uh, yeah. when you see a well organized network closet. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So I think you know we've really dove into what type of technologies involved, hardware, etc. Um, but you know, Katrina, going back to your story about that tournament and you know, different avenues for esports to actually be publicized. Could you guys share with us how is esports content typically consumed? Are the formats typically tournaments and events? Are they kind of more individualized? Could you give us a picture of that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, schools, well, the education side is a little bit different than the, um, you know, pro side of esports. So on the education mm-hmm. side, uh, and specifically for K-12, we work very closely with an organization called NASIP. Um, and NASIP has, uh, that's kind of the overarching organization. And then they have, you know, statewide organizations then that run competitions within their state um, and, and you know, uh, host all the games and, and have everything. So um, as, as students uh, consume or, you know, start to stream, that has been an interesting uh, road, I would say, over the past few years. And especially where I live in Tennessee, um, a lot of the schools didn't want to open some of these streaming platforms, you know, Twitch, uh, Discord. They didn't want to open uh, the ways that students would be able to consume the information because, oh my gosh, what if something happens or what if something bad comes in? But we're finding out that, you um, uh, many are accepting of this. They are opening these channels and uh, have found ways to make sure that it's safe and uh, students are able to consume information. But I'm uh, that is how I'm seeing uh, this happen, especially you know, K-12 and higher education. Um, and on the side of K-12, we've worked closely with UGC to bring a free platform to our students. Um, that has been a, a big barrier for schools. Um, there has been this kind of, uh, uh, I suppose, this pay-to-play mindset uh, in education for so many years. And for students that can't pay for it or a school that mm-hmm. you know, doesn't have the funding or the money for it, um, how does a student play? And so SHI came in several years ago and we said, we want to do whatever we can to make sure that it's free for students to, you know, to participate in. And so we partnered with several states, with several organizations, again, partnered with UGC to bring a professional uh, gaming uh, tournament platform to our schools and make sure that it is continuously free for students. I was going to say, I, I consume my esports through Twitch. 
and uh, when I'm working, I I have Twitch in the background. I watch my favorite streamers do something. Maybe they're ranting <laughs> about a video game. Maybe they're doing some high level activity in a video game. Whatever it may be. Um, I was gonna say, and I think a lot of students are doing that too. If, if, especially if they're working from if they're working from home, if they're, if they're having uh, virtual schools. You know, they might be doing their homework and they might have Ninja on in the background or uh, might not be Ninja, but who, whatever their favorite streamer is. And they're just consuming that information. Maybe they're maybe their favorite streamer is doing something that uh, the students having a hard time in a video game with, like trying to get past a level or maybe trying to learn a cool new trick in Rocket League with with how to put the car around. Like, you know, like they're always trying to consume that information in one way or another. And. Uh, Twitch, is, Twitch has been a huge success in doing that for everybody around the world. Yeah, and, and coming from the classroom, I mean, obviously, well, and I was also a director of technology, so obviously keeping students safe, keeping their information safe, you know, is is very, very important, and I get that. But I was always the educator and the director of technology that was kind of a nightmare because I never understood blocking students from from these platforms, even from, from social media platforms, because I always was the one that said, why don't we teach them how to properly use this? You know, if, if something pops mm -hmm. up in Twitch that is inappropriate, that's real life. And those are the things that are going to happen, whether they're at school or they're at home. And so why are we not taking the opportunity as educators to, to teach them how to, you know, personally deal with, with um, those kind of negative things that pop up and, how do we prevent that from happening again? Uh, those are all real life lessons that I think have to be addressed, uh, both on you know streaming platforms, social media, any you know uh, Discord, any kind of channeling. So um, I think that's extremely important. Uh, well, and I was going to say, Song, not to jump ahead too far, but that you know really plays directly into one of our thoughts around intelligent risks. You know, from what you're saying about how this is real life. Um, you know, could you guys share your thoughts on how these esports different games actually teach kids how to take intelligent risks you know you mentioned teaching them how to use platforms and deal with the fact that maybe something inappropriate comes up and i think that's a big fear in education just i'm sure in parenthood <laughs> as yeah. a whole but you know i i think that's a very real thought that's going on at the moment especially yeah. So I, I would love to address the parent side of things, and then I'd love to turn it over to Brad to talk specifically about games and, and various things that yeah. could pop up. But um, in terms of parents, um, you know, it's one thing we haven't mentioned yet, and they are such an important piece to this puzzle. Um, for years, uh, not just teachers, not just administrators, but parents too have been a barrier to bringing esports into education because it is often misunderstood. Again, as you know, kids just sitting in a room gaming, uh, what could happen online? What if something bad gets through? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? And so I think a, a, a piece of this puzzle is bringing parents in for any type of, of training or any type of informational session around the importance of esports, what it can do for their students, what it can bring for them, the opportunities, the scholarships that are out there, the, the opportunities for jobs, and to really give them a full picture of the why. Why are we doing this in education? Um, 
you know, again, it's just bigger than than students getting together and gaming. So if if we're able to bring parents in, have those conversations, bring students in to talk about the importance to what it means to them to be a streamer, to, you know, to be a, a, a caster, to get their voice out. Um, it's extremely important. And so um, when it comes to various games, you know, we see a lot of different things. And me as a parent, um, I spoke about Minecraft earlier, but that was kind of one of the earliest I'll say games that I saw my own kids playing. And now I have an 18 year old and a 16 year old. Um, but, you know, I remember that being a very real fear of mine. What if they're in a, a Minecraft server and somebody's in there and asks my kids for their address or asks for their real names or, um, you know, anything like that. And so I would constantly have conversations with my own kids around what do you do in that situation? Um and my kids, you know, they would sometimes, mom, I know, mom, I know. Well, you may know, but we need to have these conversations. So, um, yeah, so I'll turn it over to Brad to talk about some of the other um, the other games. But we we see this even in our Battle Academy, in our, in our Twitch stream, you know, in our chat. We see things pop up all the time, and we have to know how to, to deal with them, you know, even in what we're trying to do day to day. The question was, though, risk intelligence, right? Yeah, really how to equip students with, I guess, the space to take intelligent risks. You know, I think that's a big topic, especially in the education sector, at least from my perspective in the States, is, you know, the conversation in the past has been, how do we remove the risks for them? Whereas mm -hmm. in actuality, like Katrina said, it's real life. Yeah. And so how are we equipping them, especially if they're going out in esports is something they're passionate about yeah. to interact with these different forums, um, really in a smart way to protect themselves and just in general. And, and supplementing that question, Caitlin, right. For something Brad mentioned yeah. earlier, right. Brad, when you're, when you're addressing this question is you, you talk about leadership, right. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that's part and parcel with risk taking as well, right. In, the almighty book I, um, I was referencing earlier, right? Um, you know, Bob, Bob, Bob Johansson was talking about in these games, uh, in many cases, esports games, but in just games in general, players must um, be a part of an effective team um, to achieve um, typically a, a fairly explicitly stated objective, right, yeah. together. And uh, even games that aren't intensely multiplayer, there's social elements in there and leaders um, will have to within games, right? We'll have to navigate uncertainty, mm -hmm. right? Um, and explore their options and, and they're taking risks, but in a virtual fashion, virtual right? Sense. So in a yeah. de-risk environment, they're taking risks. So I think it, you know, Caitlin's question and your comments about leadership, right? I think it's- I was just gonna go back related. to that. That's the one thing that really does come to mind and stays true because again, this is just my personal take and my experience, but like I'm going back to raid leading. I have to take risks in certain encounters in order for the team to succeed. So whether it's, think of it like this, I have 20 people in a raid and then five people are dead and they're they're just, we can't, we can't bring them back to life. But the boss has 15% health left. And knowing the encounter, like you have to like go through everything in your head. Like, are you gonna take the risk by staying alive, wasting people's time when we could just, in theory, wipe meaning everyone just jumps off the ledge and dies and we start the boss over again? Or do we keep pushing and going forward? And I think that's a great, a great example, at least in the gaming in the gaming space for inside of a video game, right? Is you know you might you might be in a situation where 
let's say you're in Rocket League. Let's just take Rocket League, for example. You know, there's a wide open center field court and you and your team are fighting against two other cars in the backfield, right? You're trying to get to the opposite end of the, uh, of the field. I mean, like, are you going to pass it to your team or are you going to maybe take the risky move and go up the center and, and go try to score the goal by yourself? Something like that, right? And I think that you, I think games in general, um, at least in my experience, have made me think on my toes a lot more than if I didn't have them in my in my life, right? So like I always run through, at least in my head, the most efficient way to complete a task or the best outcome I could potentially come to to benefit the team. And I don't think I would ever I would ever think like that if it wasn't for video games. And I think that, you know, just taking from my life experiences alone, I would love to, you know, speak with these parents or speak with the, the superintendents, the principals, if they are a little leery about bringing any sports to their environment. Like, I think there's a, there's a ton of great life lessons slash brain, brain moves in your head going on, like all the pistons are firing or like that for you to like, think on your toes. That's how life is. Like, you know, like, at least you guys know this and being in the enterprise sector, problems come about, right? You know, you might have a, an unhappy customer and how are you going to rectify that problem really, really quickly? All of our customers are happy, Brad. Exactly. Okay. So, all right. All of our customers are happy too, Zong. <laughs> can't relate. We, don't have we can't problems. relate either. But on the off chance that they are unhappy, how are you going to rectify that solution? Let's think on your toes for a second. What is the best possible outcome to make SHI look great in that situation, make the team look great in that situation. Like, what do we have to do to get to that next step to make that customer happy? And again, I'm going to tie that back to playing video games. I, I, again, it's hard for me to depict and, and, and translate how, how I feel about that, especially someone who has not gone through like the, the ups and downs of playing like a, a, a very in-depth video game, like World of Warcraft. But, you know, I always go back to WoW because that's just what I'm, you know, used to talking about, but if I didn't have wow, if I didn't have that 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 those situations where I had to think on my toes really quickly in a matter of like five seconds, you know, I don't think I would be as successful in the real world as I as I probably would have been. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It it does, and the rewards, in some ways, you know, we're talking about inclusion earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the rewards for performing in these scenarios Absolutely. in some cases. It's proportionally just as, um, sorry, rewarding, right? Because mm -hmm. if you think about, like, you were talking about the example of a team sport in real life shooting, you know, like, let's say you shoot a buzzer shot, right? Mm -hmm. Nowadays, you could do, like, a clutch play. Uh, I believe that's what the kids call it um, at the yeah. end, right? Score a point, yeah. right? Get a hit or something like that. And the celebrations, uh, the team celebrations, right? That adre adrenaline rush right and even in some cases you know you get trophies and, and and tangible rewards it feels just as rewarding right absolutely and, and it just can can get you to feel like um i you know i'm just trying to envision myself in that scenario right if i were to be in um esports um you know in a feeling like that i would feel just like a a a, a top tier athlete Mm -hmm. Right in my when I was younger, right in, in high school, I feel like absolutely, absolutely. And it's just rewarding, right? And, and it's it's inclusive in terms of rewards, and that's really cool. And and that's just that's what gives you confidence, I believe, right, Brad? Was mm -hmm. what you're alluding to earlier to make other decisions in the future, absolutely. Um, that are just exciting, like 
you know, choosing, choosing, you know, thinking about risks in, in U.S. bond yields and, 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 and other things just as exciting. But exactly. Uh, <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, that, that's really cool. Uh, Caitlin, back to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I'd like to route us back around to what the future of esports is. And I know, Katrina, you said we could probably do an entire episode just on that subject. Um, but, you know, from both of your points of view, in terms of the future, especially when it comes to um, what types of games are being played, what do you what do you see happening as we move forward? Do you think it's going to be a greater variety or is it going to be more the esports that currently exist are going to become more in depth do you have any thoughts there well i think it's a it's a different conversation if we're again if we're talking about you know uh, typical esports that are played or if we're talking about what's going on in education um two very different conversations Mm -hmm. um and i think there's also room to talk about uh female gamers here and kind of what's going on in Mm -hmm. in that world because when when we if i were to do a google search right now and did a comparison of you know male to female uh players Mm -hmm. it looks about even however if you look at the types of games that females are playing they're very different and they're not necessarily the ones that we're seeing in these world competitions and tournaments and so um when we talk about you know the future of esports um you know i always take that into consideration and what's going to happen in terms of uh, females inclusion you know all these types of things and what kind of games are going to come to the forefront instead of these you know shooter games that are that are there you know um that we see every day could you so, give us some examples terms- of that katrina in terms of like the type of games they would play and the potential inclusion of those type of games right in the conversation because they could be equally or more intellectually challenging or stimulating right and there's different ways of measuring right it's effects right rather than just competition or yeah Yeah. so if you look at the the list of games that females typically jump on you'll see sims right up there at the top and they'll you know build in sims and and engineering and designing and and so in in education land uh, what does that mean? You know, how are we preparing all of our kids, you know, females especially for that, the STEM and CTE world, uh, because engineering is right in there. And so esports again, you know, here we, here we go again, esports plays right into this. So how are we mm-hmm. embedding these opportunities into schools for um, for our students to to gain some of this knowledge around that. And Sims is a great way to do that. Um, and so those are typically the ones that I see in, in speaking um uh, as a mom, again, uh, my daughter, you know, just everything Sims, you know, mom, I need more money, mom, I need more money. I want to create this or, you know, <laughs> I want to do this. And oh my gosh, I just bought you this. I just bought you this, you know, a week ago and mom, come look at what I built. And, you know, it, it, it's amazing. And, and my daughter does a lot of building, um, homes, building mm. environments and Sims. And uh, I know she wants to be a vet when she gets older, but I think she could ab- absolutely have a career in some kind of, you know, design or engineering or something. Um, and I think it's going to open up doors for girls, especially to think beyond some of these traditional uh, careers that we see them going into. I think opportunities yeah. are going to open for them to say, well, wait a minute, I could do 
I could be this, I could be an engineer, I could design, I could, you know. Um, and so game gaming again uh, comes to front of mind when when I want to create opportunities for students in schools because it opens so many doors for students. So Sorry, I just want to quickly add that that still yeah. is valid for um, that. That is that's completely congruent with what we talked about earlier, right? Just because it's a different type of game, like The Sims, you still yeah. learn things like design, conceptualization, mm-hmm. right? Like designing a data center instead of furniture in, in a in a retail or household setting, you're putting in you know racks and, and servers, right, and making them in logical layouts you consider things like heating literally thermal management and power consumption right and and sims can be risky you could design a house that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but you didn't yeah. waste half a million dollars in real life uh designing something that doesn't work right so it's just it, it's just it, it it still can right have the same kind of i think perhaps outcomes right in terms just because right. of a different type of game yeah. Well, and I think it crosses over into something that Brad was talking about earlier, which is, you know, uh, making sure that our our labs, our spaces, our esports arenas are dual purpose. Um, you know, if we're running, you know, CAD on on all the machines as well as esports, that gives students the opportunity to also design, and it brings that CTE career and technical education uh, into the classroom then as well. And Sims plays perfectly into that and gives students the opportunity at an early age to start designing and thinking down that path of, you know, what if I become, um, you know, an engineer or start designing and creating. Trina, you were talking about earlier too, right? Technology as well, right? You're talking about virtual reality and um, those kind yeah. of changes. So could you share some of your thoughts around that? Yeah. Uh, so so I started down the, the virtual reality and augmented reality path in about uh, 2011. So fairly early on for education um, and started kind of experimenting with it and, and realizing what it could become. Um, in, you know, 10, 20 years from now. And now, you know, in, in 2021, we're seeing so many different opportunities, so many different headsets that are out there. You know, we're seeing even mixed reality um, uh, come into play, which is absolutely incredible. We're seeing this built into schools uh, for, you know, biology, for science, for, for mechanical engineering, for uh, even farming. Uh, we're seeing the opportunity for agriculture um, that, that we're bringing into the K-12 as well as higher education uh, environment. And I think there will come a day where you know people are going to be walking down the sidewalk and they're going to have glasses on and there's going to be augmented reality built in everywhere around them it's actually the technology is already there it's already happening but um, bringing it into our everyday life i think is what is really going to uh, what we're going to see Um, but virtual reality mixed reality gives um, even doctors a way to practice on patients prior to you know, physically going in and and operating on someone. So um, technology has grown so much. Um, it has become so robust in, in the past just couple of years uh, in terms of VR, AR, XR. Um, and I'm excited to see what, what what's to come. But uh, with education, we have to have uh, students with the experience to build these opportunities. And so unless we are engaging students early on in esports, in gaming, in design, uh, we are not going to have students with the experience to become the next generation of 
creators, of builders, of the ones that are going to come up with this technology. So we have to start early on in education and make sure that we're bringing those experiences in for students. 2011 is, you know, you really were at the forefront, right, of all of this. And nowadays, um, you know, 10 short years later, um, we have people using Oculus, um, you know, goggles or, or another kind of goggle and, and playing games like, um, you know, PC uh, building simulators and, and mechanic yeah. simulators, right? Or even farming simulators. Uh, my wife has a farming background uh, in her family. And, um, you know, just for, for on my end, I thought it was amusing that I couldn't even drive a combine um, virtually. So I, I think... You know, we're talking about risk taking. We wouldn't put you on one in real life then. Yeah, I'll stick with <laughs> IT, I think, um, if I can't drive one in, in, in farming simulator. But that's really cool, right? It, the proliferation that you're, you're talking about, Katrina, I think it's, it's in some ways here, right? And, and I think it's just, you know, what you said is, is, is really, I think, our mutual customers or, or folks who are interested in this topic should really think about is a lot of the things that we may, when we look in the future, a lot of the things that we think are may not happen or will be happening in a distant future, almost always, if it's a reasonable prediction, I think this is, hits us sooner than, than we think, right? Back in 93 or 94, in mid-90s, there was a novel called um, Snow Crash, and the author was talking about, it's a science fiction novel, a cyberpunk novel, and the author basically talked about what's effectively these days a massive multiplayer online game. And he talked about a world where people live in that simulated environment, right? And you would uh, walk around and, and have, you know, kind of jobs or, or right, you know, socially meet each other virtually in like kind of nightclubs, right? Engage in real transactions. And it was sort of intended to be humor and satire, but it's happening in real life, right? He talked about the people who choose to participate in this world for free uses free low resolution avatars that are generic. And wealthy people would pay for downloadable mm -hmm. content effectively these days and customized mm -hmm high-resolution avatars, right? He predicted something that was like 95, and I was reading this maybe in the early 2000s, thinking, well, we still got so much more to, 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 to do here, right? So so much more to go in this area, but a few short years later, we're effectively seeing that already, right? What people are predicting in the distant future, right? So, mm -hmm. Katrina, when you talk about that possible future, and I think it's, if it's a reasonable prediction, it tend to almost always hit us sooner than we think, right? And adoption, and thinking about adoption like that, I think it's really important. Well, think about too, even what, 2005, when Second Life came out, I was all over that. And I feel like Second Life was, uh, it, it was just too soon. Or, or I, I don't know, it, it, was, it was ahead of its time almost. And so, yeah, and so the fact that, you know, this, this writer of, of this, this novel, you know, kind of predicted these things in, in 95, I think is fantastic. It, it almost brings together like Second Life meets the Matrix <laughs> or something, you know, it's so interesting. Yeah, exactly. And Graham, if you want to add a caption afterwards, I uh, just remember the author's name is uh, Neil Stevenson. I'll, uh, I'll give you the name uh, when we're editing it next week. But um, yeah, the... Katrina, Brad, uh, we just want to thank you very much for mm -hmm. taking the time to join us today. I, I genuinely enjoyed this conversation and um, it's so valuable to have not only your insights, 
uh, from an IT solutions perspective, but also just in terms of your knowledge about esports and the topic of gaming in general. And uh, I'm pleased to um, also may have found the future Twitch viewers about me trying to operate a, a combine. So this is uh, this has been <laughs> wonderful for us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My niche audience. <laughs> followers <laughs> good enough I'll for follow. me it was more than my zero followers well thank you so much yeah absolutely thank and you. thank you too guys it was great yeah yeah